So I'm curious, does anybody know what raindrops on roses and whiskers and kittens have in common? Don't say it, don't raise your hand, maybe just smile knowingly to your neighbor. Yeah, I, I know. If you're not quite there yet, maybe uh, bright copper kettles and warm woolen mittens, brown paper packages tied up with string. Join in if you know these are a few of my favorite things. That's right. I guess I'm not the only one that's seen A Sound of Music. The Sound of Music was one of our favorite movies growing up. It was one that my mom would get to surprise us sometimes from uh, the video store. That was a place for those of you that are of the younger generations where you would go and you would actually rent videos that somebody else owned and you would pay them to bring home a cassette tape, a VC, VHS cassette tape, and you could play that on a, on a VHS player at your house. I know, it's really crazy. It wasn't on demand back then. You should go home and watch The Sound of Music. In case you're thinking that that's a little lame, I'll have you know it's the number six grossing film of all time when inflation adjusted. So while it's just behind Star Wars Episode Four and Endgame, it's ahead of every other movie in those two film franchises. It's a big deal, right? And uh, so I grew up watching Julie Andrews and the singing Von Trapps. I did not ever get on board with the whole whiskers on kittens things. Don't, don't have much to do with cats these days. Um, but if you remember the chorus of that song, it's when the dog bites, when the bee stings, when I'm feeling sad, I simply remember my favorite things, and then I don't feel so bad. And so the song is really kind of talking about choosing joy in the midst of troubling circumstances, listing these favorite things, making a gratitude journal or, or meditating, reflecting on them on a regular basis. And then when the tide turns uh, through the course of a day and things are going badly, you can remember those favorite things and you don't feel so bad. And that kind of brings the question, what brings you joy? What are a few of your favorite things, things that you can think about in the midst of a day that has totally gone south, and they'll bring you back to that place of joy, or at least not feeling so bad. I know for me, and I'd say probably for many in the room, I see some new faces, that children bring joy, right? It was an absolute joy to have our children on stage singing hallelujah, leading us in worship. And it was a joy to have them, and it was kind of sentimental for us. This was the last time that a little Sundstrom boy will be singing on stage with the kids' ministry, and we had to kind of go back. I was thinking about it this morning, 13, 14 years probably, that there's been a Sundstrom boy singing on stage. So that's kind of the end of an era. But it reminded me of Dostoevsky, who said, the soul is healed by being with children. And I think he was right. There's something pure and innocent and unpretentious about a child, and when a child is rejoicing, celebrating, singing hallelujah, when a child is excited about something, it's infectious. You, you can't help but share in the joy, and Christmas took on whole new meaning when we had our own children and the joy that they had being infectious. And so while I think he's right, I think he's only partially right. So we'll get to that as we, as we move on. We're in a series titled A Kingdom Christmas. It's our Advent series this year. We've been lighting the Advent wreath at the beginning of each sermon. So a couple of weeks ago, we lit the hope candle, and we talked about how kingdom hope is different than the world's hope. You see, kingdom hope is built on kingdom promises, and God never breaks His promises. So that's, that's why it's better than the hope that the world offers, apart from the kingdom. Then last week, we were looking at the kingdom peace and how kingdom peace is permanent, perfect peace. 
While the world might offer temporary or partial peace, kingdom peace is perfect, permanent peace. And so today we light the third candle, the candle for joy, the candle maybe. There it goes. All right. Third time was a charm. The joy candle, often called the shepherd's candle. We'll be looking at the angelic announcement that we got to sing about together this morning as we do so. We'll be in Luke chapter 2, so if you want to start turning to Luke chapter 2 in your Bible, uh, you can do that. If you use one of our Bibles from the seats in front of you in here, it's going to be page 1591. Uh, But just to kind of catch you up on the story, Luke's gospel opens in Luke chapter 1. There's a couple of special one-on-one announcements, right? Angels coming to earth and sharing information. The first comes to Zechariah, who's quite old. Zechariah and Elizabeth are barren. They have no children. And so he's faced with the reality that when he and his wife dies, their, their lineage will die. And then he gets this angelic announcement that they're going to have a child in their old age. And that's contrasted by Mary and Joseph, who aren't even married yet and have not come together as man and wife yet. They're going to have a child too. These two miracles separated by decades of years, one being very old and thinking their time had passed, one being very young, and yet these two children are promised. Their births are foretold for John the Baptist and for Jesus. And then those, those, the response of the people is the singing for joy that Mary responds to the news that she has received by singing a song. And then Zechariah, when... Uh, when he is able to speak again after the birth of his son, he breaks out in song. And so that kind of concludes chapter 1 of Luke. Luke chapter 2 picks up the narrative with Mary and Joseph going to Bethlehem, having the child, and then laying him in a manger because there's no room for them in the end. So that kind of catches you up. We'll read verses 8 through 14 here. I'll read them all in one shot, and then we'll kind of walk through them one verse at a time. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in claws and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. Now, it's a familiar story if you've been to Christmas Eve services or have have paid attention. It, It comes up often. It's a It's this angelic announcement, it's the subject of many songs, but I want to encourage you to kind of try to take a step back and try to approach it with fresh eyes and put yourself in this story today. There's a couple things that we need to see first and foremost in verse 8 that these shepherds were the recipients of this angelic announcement, which always stands out to me because the shepherds were living in the fields. They didn't really even have a home or a house to go to. And consequently, they were often considered one of the lowest uh, sort of levels of society was the shepherds. You see, they didn't have much. They didn't have many possessions. They smelled like they lived with the animals. They were ritually unclean most of the time so that they couldn't necessarily even go and uh, worship in the synagogue or the temple. So they were on the fringes, on the outcast. And yet that's 
who the angelic announcement comes to, not the best and the brightest, not kings in palaces, not the wealthy and the influential in their big homes, but it was first announced to what might have been called the dregs of society, and those were the first visitors at the manger. It was the shepherds. It was the lowest of the low. And then we're told that the glory of the Lord shone around them. I think that's interesting because only one angel has been identified so far. The angel of the Lord appears and the glory of the Lord shone around them, them being the shepherds. The glory of the Lord surrounded them. And that phrase, the glory of the Lord, it's, it's pointing to this bright light surrounding God and His presence throughout Scripture. In the Old Testament, there was a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. There was the glory of the Lord that would descend at various times and always represented the presence of God. Now, the Hebrew word for glory is kabod, and it really signifies the weightiness, the, the weight of glory. You've heard that phrase before, the weightiness of God's glory, of His presence, that there is a, there's something special and unique about it that is distinct from any other presence. In the New Testament, the Greek word is doxa, which is where we get the phrase doxology, where we sing, praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him, all ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Doxology is to give glory to God. Everything, everywhere, giving glory to God, that's what doxology is. And doxa carries with it honor and renown and splendor. All of these are attributes of God, and yet we're told that when the glory of the Lord surrounded them, when the weight, when the light, when the splendor of God surrounded them, they were terrified. And I think I probably would be too, especially in an age before special effects, before, you know, the ability to recreate something like this. This was totally unique and special and unusual. And so they're told the first words out of the angel's mouth are, do not be afraid. I know this is crazy and wild and something like you've never seen before, but don't be afraid. It's not bad. You're not in danger. Do not be afraid. Why? Because I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Here, as we look at kingdom joy, this is the central verse in this passage for us. And it contains three parts in this, this first part of the angelic announcement. Good news of great joy for all people. Those three parts. I want to look at each one specifically. The phrase good news is the word that is used in the Greek language is the same word that we use for evangelism. It's good news. That's what evangelism is. It's the spreading of good news, bringing a good message or like we talked about a few weeks ago, a good word. When there's a gracious promise that God has made to us, the Bible calls it a good word. And this is good news of great joy. It's a good report. And that's why evangelism today, when we talk about evangelism, we're talking about the spreading of, the proclamation of good news. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ that God loves us so much that he would come to earth, make himself vulnerable, have a human experience, fully human and fully divine, and that he would make a way for us to go to heaven and be with God forever. That is the good news. But he doesn't stop there. He doesn't just say, I have good news. He says, yeah, I have good news of great joy. Now, if you were here a couple of months ago, we talked about the greatest commandment, and it was literally the mega commandment. And so what the angel says here is, I have good news of mega joy. 
And he's starting to sound like a surfer here, but I, I, I think you've got to just bear with me. That's the Greek word for great. It's mega. It's huge. It's large. It's abundant in the widest sense. And so he's saying that's the kind of joy. Not just a little bit of joy, not just a pocket full of sunshine, but good news of great joy. Joy being delight and gladness. Joy being the cause or occasion for celebration and rejoicing. And there's something unique about joy that it, it, it transcends circumstances. That joy is different from happiness because joy comes in spite of or regardless of circumstances. And I was thinking about this, and I had this rolling around in my mind and knowing where this sermon series was going a few weeks ago when a friend of mine on social media shared a couple of photographs. And the first one was from the sunrise of that morning, and the second one was from the sunset on that morning. But what I saw when I was flipping through were these two gray images. You see, a couple months ago, I read that one of the best ways to reduce the amount of time you spend on your cellular phone is to change it from color to grayscale. And it worked. <laughs> I made that shift. I, my screen time plummeted by about 45 minutes a day. Like, it's just no fun, right? Like, there was a reason that when color TV came out, everybody replaced their black and white TV and got a color TV because it's just so much more satisfying. And so if you're like me and you're trying to get off your phone a little bit and you're trying to get off your iPad, switch it over to Grayscale. Make it a tool instead of a toy and you won't spend as much time with it. That's just the way it works. But I knew when I saw these images, it's like, oh, I bet that's spectacular. And so I used my little shortcut to switch it off of Grayscale. And this is what I saw. And I wrote in my journal... Joy adds color to life. Joy adds color to life. And I was reminded of Eeyore and Tigger faced with the same circumstances. And Eeyore is saying, oh, bother. Probably wouldn't have been a good sunset anyway. And Tigger is just so excited and so full of joy and exuberance. And, and I feel like joy adds color to life. Eeyore being drab and gray himself, Tigger brightly colored. And yet it's not just good news of mega joy, great joy. It's good news of great joy for all the people. All the people. You see, the song that we sing at the end of Christmas Eve service is joy to the world, right? Joy to the world. And that most famous passage of Scripture, perhaps the most famous passage in all of literature, that God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that Whoever believes in him, from the best and the brightest to the lowest of the low, whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting light. That's the good news of great joy that is for all the people. It's not limited to a few people or even to a specific people. It's for all people. But he's not done yet. He keeps going. The angel explains that a Savior today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And so, again, there's three pieces to this. There's a Savior being born to you. He is Christ, the Lord. Three names that are given to this child. 
And that first one, Savior, means a deliverer, a rescuer, one who rescues from sin and delivers to safety. And I think both parts are important. Jesus didn't just come to earth to save us. He also delivered us to safety. He gave us a way back to God to spend eternity with God instead of spending eternity separated from God. Now, I was a lifeguard for several years in high school, and while I never had to jump in to save anyone, I say that's because I was really good at the crowd management, right? I was a frequent user of my whistle, and nobody messed around in my patch of the pool. But there was a child that needed to be rescued while I was on duty on the other side of the pool near the diving well. And a just quick like a fox, you know, the lifeguard saw that the child was struggling, jumped in and came to him and didn't just say, okay, you're rescued now and then swim back to shore. They delivered him to safety, right? And I think that's such an important part of the Christmas story that he didn't just come and save us. He rescued us and delivered us to safety. He brought us into a relationship with God where we can be eternally safe and secure in the strong and unshakable kingdom of God. So he's a savior, he's a deliverer, he's a rescuer, but he's also Christ, Christ the Lord. Now that phrase Christ is the Greek equivalent for the Hebrew word Messiah. And so for generations and generations, hundreds and hundreds of years, the people had been looking for this long prophesied Messiah. And the angelic announcement says, this is it. This is the Messiah. This is the anointed one. He is Christ. He's the savior, but he's also the Christ. And not only the Savior and the Christ, he's the Lord. And that's important. That's the Greek word kurios. And it means one with absolute power and authority. He's the Lord. This little baby, this little infant is the Lord of lords. This little baby is the king of kings. This Messiah, born a baby, is God himself. Come to save his people. Emmanuel, God, with us. That is is the good news of great joy for all the people. And as the angel continues, he lays out this sign. You'll find a baby wrapped in claws, lying in a manger. That's, a, that's an unusual thing. That didn't happen a lot. And yet this baby is going to be the Savior, who is Christ, the Lord. It's an immediately verifiable sign, but very unlikely and so the good news of great joy, the Savior Christ Lord, is a baby. It's an infant. There's nothing more vulnerable. There's nothing more in need of protection. There's nothing more defenseless or dependent than an infant. You leave them on their own, they're toast, right? They need us so much, and we give so much of ourselves, and they become the object of our love and our affection so quickly. And he's saying, that's what you're going to find, a baby. And in a manger, no less. Impoverished exposed to the elements. And while they're trying to take all this in, like, what? What are you talking about? Suddenly, verse 13, a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. This great company I know I've thrown out a lot of Greek words, but this one might sound familiar. It's plethora. It's the Greek word plethora. How many of you use plethora every now and then when you want to sound smart? Yeah, me too, right? It's like not just a lot, not just a bunch. There were a plethora of them. And so that's the Greek word that's being used here, and it means a big number. It means a whole bunch, a multitude. But it was interesting when I was studying it, it says it can also mean the whole multitude. A plethora can be all of them. 
So uh, the plethora of chairs in this room would be 369 chairs. We've counted. That's how many are in here. That's a plethora of chairs in that sense. And so then that got me thinking because we just read through Revelation in our Banding Together journals. And Revelation 5.11 talks about how many angels is the whole company of angels. John in his vision says, Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels numbering thousands upon thousands and 10,000 times 10,000. Now, do you think John counted? Probably not. But I'll save you the math or getting your calculator out. 10,000 times 10,000 is 100 million. And there's the thousands upon thousands on top of that. Like it's a plethora of angels. It's a whole bunch of angels. And I just had to wonder, did heaven peel back enough for them to see all 100 million or all this great multitude that can't even be counted? And here's what they say. Here's what that great multitude says. Glory to God in the highest and on earth. Peace to men on whom his favor rests. Now I want to start at the back of that. I want to look at that last phrase. Peace to men on whom his favor rests. You see, joy and peace are very strongly linked, aren't they? They both find their greatest expression in the midst of difficulty. That, as we talked about last week, the, the true kingdom peace, the perfect permanent peace, is a peace that doesn't need good circumstances. It doesn't need all to be well. That we can say, even in the midst of difficult circumstances, even in the midst of a broken and fallen world, that all is well because we know Christ and we know His peace in the midst of difficulty. Well, joy is much the same, that joy finds its truest expression in the midst of difficulty, in the midst of darkness, in the midst of things not going well, and we choose joy over despair. So they say, glory to God in the highest. He is worthy of it. And this forms bookends on the life of Christ that I'm sure it's, I've read it somewhere, but it was kind of new information for me this time through when I realized, hey, that's what they say when he's making his way into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday is Hosanna, glory to God in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And so here you have the angels saying that at the birth of Christ, and you have the people declaring it, celebrating it at the end of his life because he is worthy, glory to God in the highest. But the last thing that I want you to see here in this passage is the link between glory to God in the highest that the angels declare and the glory of the Lord that we talked about in verse 9. It's almost as if glory forms the bread of a joy sandwich, right? So like glory in verse 9, joy, good news of great joy for all the people in verse 10, and then you have glory to God in the highest in verse 14. Now, that's how I like to, you know, word picture the bread of a joy sandwich. It doesn't make a great bottom line, I don't suppose. But here's, here's a little more polished bottom line for you, and I, something I want you to reflect on as you go from here today is that kingdom joy is found in the glory of God and in giving glory to God. We see that clearly here. That kingdom joy is different than worldly joy. Kingdom joy is better than worldly joy or happiness because it is found 
in the glory of God and in giving glory to God. Kingdom joy adds color and splendor and light to life. It's based on and it's rooted in kingdom glory. And so we can live in that. We can live in the glory of God, that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, that we can live in God's glory and we can choose to give glory to God in every circumstance. And we can realize that even in dark days, even in difficult times, the glory of the Lord surrounds us. And we can give glory to God. And if you are in Christ, if you're in a relationship with Jesus Christ, if you have received the good news of great joy for all the people, if you have believed in him, as John 3.16 says, then you always have an occasion for joy. You always have joy unspeakable and full of glory because you can give God thanks for that. You can praise God that he knows your name and that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life, even in the darkest circumstances, even with the bad medical diagnosis or with the financial strain or the broken relationship, we can give glory to God and we can experience his joy in the midst of those difficulties, in the midst of the darkness. We can live in that glory. We can meditate on it. We can reflect in it. We can study it. We can give that glory to God. And as we do, we will find kingdom joy in the glory of God and in giving glory to God. And so I would say to Dostoevsky, Yes, you're right. The soul is healed by being with children. But Jesus heals our souls in a way that nothing else can. And I think one of the reasons Jesus came as a child, came as a baby, came vulnerable, is that babies are the best this world has to offer. They're the purest, most innocent, most wonderful expression of God. And Jesus came as a baby, came as a child, was referred to even as an adult as the Son of God or the Son of Man. He came to bring us joy. He came to bring healing to us and to give us an occasion for joy in every circumstance. That is why kingdom joy is better than the world's joy. And so as we respond this morning, it's a little different than our normal response. You're not going to be told to stand and sing necessarily. You'll be invited to reflect where you're seated. If you want to join in, you're welcome to join in. If you want to come to an altar, you're welcome to come to an altar. If you come to these middle two altars, we'll take that as an indication that you'd like somebody to come and pray with you in that moment. If you go to the outside altars on each side, we'll take that as an indication you'd like to pray alone. But as you reflect... I think this song highlights the reality that joy is not just in the mountaintops and the fireworks types of experiences. That joy can just as much and maybe even more so be in those still small voice moments with God. And so even the song starts small and then builds and then lands small. And so I hope that it ministers to you and helps you see the joy of God in a new way, in a special way. And so there'll be freedom in worship Respond however you'd like. If you want to join in, join in. If you want to sit and reflect, sit and reflect. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, we are thankful for the good news of great joy for all the people that you have come as Savior, as Christ, as Lord. And so, Lord, for those of us who know you as such, we rejoice. And we thank you that we have an occasion for joy, an occasion for celebration in every circumstance. 
And Lord, for those who maybe don't know you as Savior, as Messiah, as Lord, and they're hearing this, and they're hearing this good news of great joy maybe for the first time or it's really sinking in for the first time, I hope and pray that they'll reach out and accept the gift, that they'll respond in faith, that they'll confess that their sin has separated them from you and they'll invite your love and your forgiveness. They'll repent and seek to follow you as a disciple of Christ. However we respond in this moment, Lord, may we respond in faith and may we rejoice in the good news of great joy that is for all of us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.